Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like... My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's up? This your boy, Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This is the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Boom! What up, America? Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Coming today from the uh, steamy city of Tulsa, Oklahoma. Just got done spoking speaking to a bunch of high school and some college coaches. I am so happy to be here with you. Man, we have a great sports weekend, and uh, we are ready for an incredible week of shows. Thanks so much for listening. If you listen on our any of our terrestrial radio stations, and if you're asking, what's a terrestrial station? I didn't know when I started doing radio 15 years ago. I didn't really didn't. That, that's just like regular radio stations, right? Uh, also, your iHeartRadio app or SiriusXM Channel 83. Thanks so much. Uh, for listening. And of course, you can always download the podcast of this show. Just go to foxsportreated.com, to iTunes, or wherever you download podcasts. Just type in Doug Gottlieb. It'll be there for you. Um, the We got subtraction by addition in the NBA. We have a weird story in the NFL with Josh Gordon I want to get to. And um, uh, we have the, the LeBron mural, which everybody is making these bombastic statements about graffiti being graffitied 
<laughs> it just, my head wants to explode. We'll get to that upcoming in the show. Plus, Brian Scalabrina join us. My man Ryan Burr from the Golf Channel. Ryan Leaf will join us. And Jason LaCamphora in, oh, 15 minutes or so. We'll try and figure out what's what in regards to this Josh Gordon situation. I want to start with what dominated most of your minds yesterday, the sports world yesterday, and leaves us with a little bit of an empty feeling. Eldrick Tiger Woods. Now, look, if you thought he was going to be back, back, um, okay, I think that's unrealistic for anybody to be where he was a decade ago. But for 42 years old, having a couple of back surgeries, having Achilles tendon surgery, having a knee surgery, being a divorcee, having been declared legally dead by many in the golf community, Tiger Woods is, well, as close to being back as he may ever be. Well, maybe not as close, but he's one step away. Uh, there are stages to things. This we know, right? There's, well, there's a 12-step program, right? That's when you're an alcoholic or an addict. You got to admit that you're powerless over the drug. You got to come to believe in the power greater than yourself could restore uh, that to sanity. There's 12-step, 12 12-step 12 programs. There's also different stages of grief. There's seven stages of grief. Shock, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, testing and acceptance once you get to acceptance you understand you can you can finally move past it seven stages of grief by our estimation there are four stages of the tiger woods comeback and he is in stage three right stage one is a return to playing stage two was being healthy for an entire four days stage three is top 10 contention at a major and stage four is winning Winning, And it is hard to move from stage three to stage four. And as much as as much as we want to sit there and tell you that uh, that other guys are over him because Francisco Marinari ended up winning the open championship. The fact is that Tiger being atop the leaderboard changes everything, everything in the sport. It makes it more watchable. And all those dudes that called out Tiger Woods previously and said they're not scared of him. Many of them seem to be scared of him at the time. Here's Tiger when the whole golf world and Twitter world and sports world shook, shook, because Tiger he took a share it. of the lead at nine. Tiger rolls this forward and in, in. There's a great certainty about him today. You'll remember the days in the past when he almost willed putts into the hole. Well, that seems to be what he's doing today, Ray. So he stays after his front nine, seven under par. He's picked up two shots today, and he's at the top of the leaderboard along with Chauvelet. I mean, incredible. And then, of course, the flop out of the out of the bunker at ten. Here was when it came apart at eleven. Potter goes back. Ball is on his way. Has it jumped a little bit? And it did. I feel that putt jumped a little bit. Unfortunately, Tiger Woods will make a double bogey on 11, and he'll move back to five under par for the championship. So Tiger Woods ends up finished sixth. And you can sit here and tell me all you want uh, that he'll never be back. Of course he's not going to be what he was at 30. No man at 42 is going to be what they were at 30, especially when you've had this many surgeries. 
He's never going to be as dominant as he was in his prime. But for Tiger Woods, who less than a year ago wasn't walking, let alone swinging a golf club, I think we need to have some perspective. In fact, Tiger himself seemed to have some perspective that so many of us lack. That's what's crazy about it. We're reacting. We're holding Tiger to uh, to this kind of ridiculously crazy notion that he's supposed to win multiple majors every year because that's what he asked us to hold him to back in his prime. Judge me by my majors. But that's not where he is now in his career. It's just not. In fact, he said it himself. It's going to sting for a little bit here. But from where I was to where I am, I'm blessed. Tiger Woods has something that you can only have if you've seen the bottom, and that's perspective. It's perspective. You don't want to believe it. You don't want to think it's true. You don't want to think that the new Tiger is the real Tiger. You want to think he's hopping from Perkins to Perkins looking for a waitress to shtup. But the fact is that here's a dude that's seen the bottom. Here's a dude that thought it was over because people told him it was over. And to take the lead on the ninth hole in a major on a Sunday is as close to being back as he has been to this point. And it's stage three and four stages of comeback. Stage one, just hit a golf ball. Just hit a golf ball. Stage two, make it through a weekend. Stage three, get into legit contention at a major. Stage four, complete the task. It's interesting that we have this thing we do in society. We love the rise, we cheer for the fall, and we're infatuated with the comeback. That's what this guy is doing. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Read his work at CBSSports.com. Follow him on Twitter. You can see him on Inside the NFL on CBS. He's Jason Lockhamphora. He joins us here on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Let's start with the Josh Gordon story as he's going to go seek treatment for his mental health, mental health care. Part of his treatment plan, he says, um, and the Browns are saying, the NFL is saying, others are saying he didn't fail a test, but it, it does seem like odd timing. Tell me what you hear is going on in, in Baltimore. I mean, in, in Cleveland, sorry. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's, it's an unusual situation, to say the least, but he's someone who at this point is going to know himself better than ever and better than anyone else, and he's obviously been dealing with various stages of recovery and rehab for a long time and he and from what i've gathered uh, those close to him who are advising him and and those who are trying to keep him on the straight and narrow feel as if right now maybe going to an nfl training camp isn't the best thing uh possible for him and and remember because of the way the nfl's i would say somewhat draconian policies work he has been doing the bulk of his recovery away from his teammates he's been barred from that facility you know for if you add it all up probably literally for years if you go out you know go through the totality of his suspensions and whatnot so um maybe there's something about that setting that that's he or others feel like wouldn't be best for him right now 
Um, I, I don't know. A lot of this, I, I'm sure, is privilege between he and the medical professionals he's working with. But, again, the Browns, and I've reached out, they seem okay with this. They seem to think this is probably the best thing for him short and long term. Um, I don't know of any timetable that exists. It is certainly odd, and at various times I've been surprised that the Browns haven't just said, you know what, we've, we've kind of gone down this road far enough and, and we're ready to move on. But from what I hear, they're not. Um, but but I think anybody trying to wager or guess or handicap what the future looks like for Josh Gordon, um, I don't know how you would do it because nothing really to this point has been the normal or anything close to a normal NFL NFL path. So I, I don't know, Doug. I, I, I'd be lying if I said I know exactly what this means, but he's not, he's not in jeopardy of being cut. He's not on the precipice or, or, you know, from what I'm told, in jeopardy of being suspended, but apparently, at least right now, needs more time continuing to do what he's doing away from the facility. Yeah, it, it, it strikes me as odd only in that I would have thought, and again, I don't know enough about, about his addiction and about how he's being treated and about his anxiety. Uh, I am sensitive to that. But I would have thought that being around a team would have been a good thing, right? Like you, that I just I would have thought being around training camp and having other things in your life, you know, to participate in, to motivate you, I would have thought that was a really good thing. Even if he knows himself and he feels the urges coming on, I almost felt like that would have been a better path than removing yourself from the facility. Yeah, I, it's, it's, it's difficult to say. I don't know if something about a locker room right now he feels would trigger the worst in him. You know, now I'm really going down the road of pretending to sure. be, you know, armchair Ziggy Freud. But the fact that, the you know, at least for now the Browns are supporting him, I'm going to take as, you know, I'm going to take every sort of everybody at their word, and we'll see. You know, now three weeks from now, who knows? You know what I mean? Things may have changed with him, with them, with the overall situation. Um, at a certain point, he's missed so much time playing football. If you're truly going to be able to count on him and, and start banking on him and making him a part of what you hope will be, you know, arguably the much, most needed rebound season in the history of professional sports, given what the last two years have been like for them, then, you know, you're, you're, you may have to reach a, a cut bait point or, or what have you. But, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It could be something about that locker room set, you know, setting or, or that group of individuals that maybe isn't great yeah. for him right now. It obviously is going to lead a It's so open-ended, right, and there's so few details here that people will, will probably speculate and, and pontificate in, in a bunch of different ways about this. I'm not going to pretend that I know enough about it to really do it. You know, as of now, it's not a problem for the league. It's not a problem for the Browns. And I would just say, you know, we'll see how long that's the case. Would they, would they add somebody like a Des Bryant to fill his roster spot? I don't think there would be an, an immediate need. I mean, the reality is, as much as, you know, he was around there in the spring and he did some stuff, you know, and, and, and seemed to be on the right path, I, I don't think anyone could truly write in in pen, here's our 40, you know, he, barring injury, here, here's what our best projections for our 53 and our game day 45, and have him entrenched as, you know, wide receiver one. I, I think John Dorsey has been around the block long enough to know, um, even though he just got there, it's well chronicled what, you know, what Josh Gordon's career has been. I, I don't think that, that he and Hugh Jackson are sitting down there and planning out their season 
saying, okay, this, we're definitely going to get 16 weeks of John, Josh Gordon, and he's going to be at an elite level. There, there's too much unpredictability there and too many variables with him in particular. So I, I don't think it's like we've got to go out and get a, another veteran receiver right now. And the reality is this is still very much going to be a rebuilding season for the Cleveland Browns, and especially someone like Dez with, with such little upside. I, I don't know how much he would really make sense for them. I think, if anything else, it's just it's, it's more time for the Corey Coleman's of the world. Some of these guys are going to have to develop to see the ball. That's the voice of Jason Lockhamfora from CBS Sports. He joins us here on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Some interesting quotes out of Baltimore over the last week or so. Uh, Joe Flacco was, commented, was quoted as saying, you know, he didn't think there would be any sort of quarterback controversy, quarterback talk, because he thought they would win. And talk from his offensive coordinator saying, look, man, he really is moving around well. Um, sometimes when, when people put out statements to try and take us away from something we think might happen, it, it almost makes me feel the opposite. What do you think's brewing in Baltimore? That's an organization you know a ton about. I was there all day Thursday, all day Friday, and Friday was when Joe talked to the media. So I was there for the entirety of that press briefing. And if you saw the whole thing, and he's been asked a ton of Lamar Jackson questions since the moment the trade happened, and I think overwhelmingly he's handled it with grace and aplomb. But you know he had been asked a three or you know two or three questions, and then someone you know I won't say totally in jest, but you know was kind of like, hey man, when are you going to get sick of answering questions about Lamar Jackson? And that's when he's like, you know, hey, I don't I don't think we're going to reach that point because I think I'm going to play really well and we're going to win a lot of games, and essentially it's going to be a moot point, and, and just where the room was right there and how he said it. It wasn't tongue-in-cheek. I mean, he meant it, but there was no malice or ill will in it. And um, he is in better shape than I've seen him in years, and he is fully healthy for the first time in years. And he's, his football mortality, at least in Baltimore, is staring him straight in the face. And he need only look over to Kansas City a year ago and call up Alex Smith, who's right down the road in Washington now, to see that no matter what he does this year, he may be elsewhere. So I think he, he's kind of turning over a bit of a, of a new leaf, and not that things have ever really got to him. He's always been Joe Cool. But I, I think there's almost a, a, certain, um, a certain new air about him where, you know, he's accomplished a lot and he understands the end might be near here no matter what, and he's going to go about things his way and, and try to leave a positive impression one way or the other. I think he'll play very well. I also think Lamar Jackson is going to be on the field as soon as week one because there, he, he is such an overwhelmingly freakish athlete that if you can't find a few plays for him every week to help you win a football game, then you're not really trying. And they are already trying. And there are, they are installing a lot of RPOs that, yeah, Joe can run them too, but by golly, the backup can probably run them better. Yeah, I, I, my thing is, like, look, I talked to a lot of NFL people, and they're like, he is a freak athlete. You should get him on the field. But he's not a quarterback. He's not close to being a quarterback yet in the NFL. Like, there's a reason that 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 though they lo- they lo- they love him and love what he could be. Like, isn't he better off being a slash for a while while he while he refines the other parts of his game? Well, I think in these packages where he's on the field, sometimes he'll be on the field with Joe Flacco, and there's certainly parts in their scheme where he won't, and he will just be the best quarterback on their roster to win this particular down and distance against this particular defense with this particular score on the board. Um, I don't think anybody's going to be rushing to develop him. They're not going to be throwing, um, throwing him into the deep end or anything like that, but I do think they will be meeting him in the middle 
and, and finding out what he does best and making that a part of their offense. Because, look, if Joe Flacco, I mean, we can sit here and talk about all this till we're blue in the face. Joe Flacco wasn't supposed to play his rookie year, right? They had three other quarterbacks on the roster, and they were still feeling out Kyle Bowler. You know, and then he got hurt, and then Troy Smith had, like, an appendectomy or whatever, and Joe Flacco started week one. You know, Carson Wentz was never supposed to play. He was going to sit, and they had Sam Bradford, who were paying $18 million to win him some games. So uh, things are going to have a way of shaking out, and he may have to play sooner, or he, he may not start a game at all this year. But he's being groomed to be their next quarterback, and I suspect the starting part of it happens in earnest by next year because as well, however well Flacco plays, I have a hard time thinking he's going to count you know, another $26 million against the cap next year. Um, all right. Let's the uh, a, a couple other kind of little house cleaning issues as we get ready for camp. Uh, David Johnson ended a contract holdout, but I mean, did he really hold out? This is just. Yeah, I mean, he skipped the mini camp. I mean, that's you know, I don't even know if you can really dub it a. I mean, it's a holdout in so much as he missed three days of of um, mandatory stuff. So there's some fines there. And he's been, look, he's been hurt the last two years. I love David Johnson. Anybody who plays fantasy football understands what an incredible freak all-around athlete, he all-around running back he is. But, I mean, it's hard to give a guy new money when you haven't seen him play in so long. Yeah, I mean, you got to look at what this injury was, though. You know what I mean? It's not, it wasn't a, uh, a knee. It wasn't a neck. It, you know, it, he broke his arm, right? I mean, it was... Yep. wrist or whatever. Know, so that's, you're, you know, the, it sucks, and the timing of it sucks, but... It's not like you have to worry about his explosiveness and quick twitch or anything like that. It didn't involve muscles, ligaments. But I, I hear you. The problem for David Johnson was, you know, I get it. It was a calculated gamble that they made saying, well, let's just not, let's not open ourselves up to any risk. And we're going to find out on July 15th whether Le'Veon Bell gets his $16, 17000000 million a year. And if he does, then we're going to negotiate off of that, and we'll have a little bit of a, I won't say a bully pulpit, but we may come into camp with a little bit of leverage. Now, obviously... Le'Veon Bell got offered, you know, $16 million over two and $15 million a year over three, but he didn't sign it. So it's hard to negotiate off an offer that, you know what I mean, no, no one's actually seen it in writing and, you know, it, it, are all those numbers correct? And, it, 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 and to your point, he's coming in hurt. So then it's a matter of, well, do we do something like just for $10 million now and, and sell low on ourselves, or do we show up, ball out, we know Bell's going to get paid next year. They can't franchise him three times. And, you know, bank on by next March, the, the running back market has drastically shifted. And somebody gave Le'Veon Bell, you know, 17 a year, including north of $35 million guaranteed. Yeah, I guess, I guess one of the things that's interesting is Le'Veon, Le'Veon Bell, who's a tremendous all-around back, but he's trying to sell the world on his overall versatility and that's why he should be paid at a, le- a level commensurate with, you know, higher than and running back. My point is twofold. One, I, I think they're arguing the, the 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 merits of the franchise tag being position position based, and that's something that needs to be discussed with the union, not with teams. But this idea that he's the only all around back. We mentioned David Johnson when he's healthy, he catches out of the backfield. Todd Gurley, he had I think it was sixty four catches last year, like. Look, they, they, all the really good ones can catch it out of the backfield, can run it out of the backfield, and can block. Otherwise, they wouldn't be every down running backs, and he's getting top five of that money. He's trying to say that he's more than just a running back, but the truth is that's what the best running backs do. Yeah, and, and look, all he has to do is eventually get one team to buy that argument. And 
we've got a new precedent, whether the rest of the league likes it or not. I mean, we just went through this with Kirk Cousins and the guaranteed money. Do I think 32 teams cap jumps again next year because it's going to, and people have more money than they spend, that somebody gives him the numbers I just talked about, that somebody gives him $35 million over the first two years, 52 over three, and they guarantee $38 million of it? It only takes one team to do it. So I think it's possible, and then once it happens – the Gurleys and the Johnsons fall in line, and I'm with you. That that's the big three. I, I don't know how many other guys are are you know anywhere close to jumping into that stratosphere. It just takes one person to buy your argument. Um, and I hear the merits of it. Also, though, if you go and break down some of the Le'Veon Bell numbers, their win loss record with them and without them would be surprising to a lot of people. So would their overall gross offensive yardage per play with them and without him. But he he clearly is is special. And and look. He, he, he almost got it with Pittsburgh, and he wasn't able to negotiate with anybody else. I mean, I'm telling you, you know, $45 million over the first three years. Now, not as much of it guaranteed as he would like, but still, that's not chump change, and that was there at a time when they were the only team he could talk right. to. So, now there's big ifs. Well, that, that's J- Jason. Out of trouble. J- Jason, it's a great point you make up, and like Julio Jones, they never bring this up. Like, guys get front-loaded contracts, and the, the per-year salary is low at the back end of it, and then they get upset and they make the argument, hey, look yeah. at how little I'm paid. It could be like, look, dude, you got overpaid in the first couple of years, and we didn't cut you on the back end of that deal. Like, the, the, the idea that it, I, I do, look, I, I respect that NFL players put themselves out there. I understand their, their careers are not as long as, as others. But, but some of the, it's outright lies that they tell in terms of, hey, we don't get any guaranteed money. Yes, you do. It's just not as mu- much as you'd like. And using the what we're making this year and completely forgetting being overpaid in the early stage of the contract, to me, is so disingenuous that it's hard for some fans that pay attention to really get behind their argument. Well, and I think that's where you you have to delineate the difference between an Aaron Donald and Odell Beckham, who I'm putting to the left side of the ledger, and you brought up Julio to the right. Julio made a calculated decision a few years back that, you know what, these guys could make me play through a fifth-year option, and then i got to worry about franchise tag two straight years, and they could squat on me, and that's going to be a long time before I truly get to hit the open market. So let me get some big-time money in my pocket now. Let me take that second bite at the apple right now and give them a few years of my free agency at a rate that I might, I might not love four years from now, but let me, get some, let me get that bite at the apple now. Odell Beckham's never been able to negotiate a contract in his life. Aaron Donald's never been able to negotiate a You know, they come in on the rookie wage. You know, it is what it is. You're slotted, and they haven't had a chance to get paid. And, and I think people have to be cognizant of that when they start comparing all these different situations because Julio Jones already made a business decision. These guys haven't had an opportunity to make one yet. You know, they've just been functions of the system at this point. It's a it's an incredible incredible point that you make, Jason. Look forward to uh, camps getting underway. Lots of interesting discussion. Thanks so much for joining us, and we'll catch up soon. Always my pleasure, buddy. Have a good one. Thank you. Pleasure is absolutely mine. Jason Lockham for joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show here on Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. I love Steph Curry's game. It's not perfect, but who doesn't love Steph Curry? Does anyone consider Steph Curry in the same realm as LeBron James? I must be missing that part of it. Right? Now, if you want to say Steph Curry has three rings and he has two MVPs, that's accurate. 
It would also be accurate to say he wasn't even the best player in the NBA when he won the MVPs, even though, even when he was unanimous MVP. He was unanimously the most valuable, but that doesn't mean best player. And when they won the last two championships, he wasn't the best player on his own team. So I sit there and I go, hold on now. Wait a second now. Take a breath now, Shaq. The idea that LeBron's sitting there going, well, how many does Steph Curry have? Love Steph. Going to go down as one of the, if not the greatest shooter, shooter in the history of the NBA. On the other hand, and this is really, really important, no one's ever put him in the conversation of Michael Jordan is all-time greats. And in, in all honesty, even though he probably should be, he's not even in the Kobe Bryant conversation of all-time greats. The Larry Bird, the Magic Johnson. I, I can't tell you why. Well, I guess I could tell you why. It's obvious. It's not just defense. It's, it's maybe a lack of respect for the three-point shot. We all understand it's worth a point more, but should it be worth a point more? So I, I look at this and I say, I don't really understand what Shaq's doing other than putting him into a conversation to which he may have thought he's in. And it does feel like Shaq's going like, look, it was about me and Kobe. It was about me and, Kev- and Tim Duncan. Those are guys that I competed with, one, position-wise, and two, uh, on my own team for championships. That, that would be fair. But I don't think LeBron looks up in Oakland and says, Steph Curry, yeah. Look, there's a chance LeBron does think of, yeah, I could go out and try and win a fourth one. Or I could try and win a fourth, a fifth, and a sixth one. What's the best way to beat the Warriors? Well, so far, the Houston Rockets probably came the, cl- they came the closest last year with great length, defense, intensity, athleticism. And, of course, they attacked whoever filled in for Andre Godala, and they attacked Steph Curry. But it's at the defensive end. It's with physicality, with athleticism. And I'm sure that LeBron James sat there and said, yes, could I find a way to put together more parts and get there again. Here's what Shaq's missing. Could LeBron have stayed and tried to make it work in Cleveland? He could have. He could have. But the East is not, was not theirs to be had anymore. Anyone could see the writing on the wall saying the Boston Celtics were going to be better. So when you combine Boston being better, Philadelphia coming on strong, and Cleveland having to completely work, work, rework things in cap hell and a place he wanted. The idea of stay, staying sounded good in the short term. But the long-term play is just write it out. Write it out. Eventually, greed will take over. It always does. Eventually, an injury will happen. It almost always does. It almost derailed the Warriors this year. They lost to Andre Godala, the fifth best of the Hampton Five, and they nearly lost because of it. Even though they were far superior talent-wise to the Cleveland Cavaliers, when they didn't have Andre Godala in game one, we all know what happened. Imagine if Steph goes down, or KD goes down, or Draymond goes down, or Clay Thompson goes down. Secondly, and maybe most importantly, three of those guys are up next season. 
We don't know how they'll react to Boogie Cousins. Everybody thinks it's addition by addition, but there could be subtraction by addition. Clay Thompson's up. His dad's been a Laker broadcaster and former Laker for most of his life. Southern California's home, and he'd get to play opposite LeBron James, who's a willing passer to one of the great shooters, if not the best catch-and-shoot shooter in the history of the game. Jimmy Butler's up, and of course, Kawhi Leonard is up, as is half the NBA seemingly next year. Like Kevin Durant. Like DeMarcus Cousins. Like Draymond Green. Like Clay Thompson. What's the best way to beat the Golden State Warriors? To not do it this year, to build for the following year, and the year after that, and the year after that. That's what Magic said. That's a reasonable timeline. That seems to be reasonable considering where they are with their own contracts and with young players needing a year to figure out if they have it to play with LeBron James. And so with so many people talking about Lance Stevenson, a backup, Michael Beasley, a backup, Rajon Rondo, a backup, they're missing what LeBron's plan is, which is ultimately to take down the Warriors, but not a full frontal, not to run down the hill. You know the, the old adage or the old story? There's two bulls, young bull and old bull on top of the hill. There's a bunch of cows down the pasture. Do we run down or do we walk down? LeBron's walking down. Long-term play versus short-term play. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. My man Ryan Burr works for the Golf Channel. He came on this show last year and said, Tiger will win, mark it down. I think he came on my CBS show two years ago, Tiger will win, mark it down. And look, I have never sold my Tiger Woods stock, but but I... I thought it was a penny stock for a while. Now it feels better, although he still has not closed. Ryan Burke, Golf Channel, joining us. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Did you, After nine, he ties for the lead seven under. Or maybe after ten, after that incredible bunker shot. Do you think he had it? Well, he took the lead there, Doug. And it was a one-shot lead. And, and more than anything else, uh, the guys that he had to catch were crumbling. Spieth. And Shoffley shot 40 on the front, and Spieth was a disaster. So I knew it was a I knew it was a two man race. I knew it was Woods and Molinari. Now McElroy made a bit of a run, uh, but no one ultimately. Hey, listen, uh, yeah, I thought I thought Tiger was going to be in it to the end. He doubled the next hole and then bogeyed after that. He hit two bad shots the entire day. There was no Tiger magic. But I've never been more sure that Woods wins again than I am now. Uh, he is the best player in the world. I mean that. He's the best player in the world right now. He's hitting it better than everyone else. And golf, as we all know, is the toughest sport of any to win because in every other sport you have to face an individual team. Uh, you know, the Pittsburgh Pirates are two games over 500. If they had to play the Yankees every game, They'd be what twenty games under five hundred. So in golf, you've got to beat everybody, and there's always somebody that's hot every week. There's somebody that's hot. So the best player rarely wins. Just a couple times a year is how that sport works out. Tiger right now has complete control of his game. He's all the way back, and I do agree with you that there is a last hurdle, and that last hurdle is closing. And when that happens again, while it will never return to the Tiger mania of old. He will tick off one, two, three in a six, seven-month span. Of course, all based on him staying healthy. All right, let, let, let's circle back to Tiger in a second. Let's start with Spieth, 
who you you would have felt like at some point, and maybe even you go back to the Masters, like you would have felt, and I know that you and I discussed before the Masters how he'd struggled with his putting then, but then you, you watch him, and I mean, what, what the heck is going on with him on a Sunday? Uh, I'll tell you what, and I, I know, you know, you could revise history for a lot of people, but let's just put it this way. Jordan Spieth won his first major, the Masters, and he did it in record fashion. He then went to the U.S. Open, where Dustin Johnson three-putted from 12 feet at Chambers Bay after Spieth had choked like a dog at 17 with a double bogey. Uh, if, if Dustin Johnson makes a four-footer or, or lags the putt better, Spieth doesn't win the U.S. Open. We all know what he did at the Masters the next year. It was an all-time gag job where he put a couple in the water with a six-shot lead at the Masters and lost. Uh, I'm concerned with Jordan Spieth, real concerned. He's a great player. He'll figure it out. He's 25 years old. But where he's at right now, what once was the best putter on the planet, is no longer in the top 150. It is a mental deal with him. It's a problem, a real problem. Every single week he's missing putts that your son would make, Doug. I'm not exaggerating. They're two three-footers that he's missing every single week. I'm, uh, I'm concerned for Jordan Spieth in the immediate future. Not long-term. He'll be a great champion. But in the rest of this season, until we figure something out with him, which I'm not sure anyone knows what's going on, and that would include him, uh, this is problematic. Yeah, he was muttering to himself early. You knew it was going to be a long day. What about Rory? He did make that kind of. He made that late charge, but he only. Yeah, McElroy should have. McElroy should have won by 15, twelve to fifteen shots. Uh, I was there. I just got off the plane. I literally just got off the plane and went through immigration. But I will tell you, when you're there and you see everything, McElroy is so much better than everyone else from the tee to the green. It's scary. Should have won by twelve shots. Seriously. He hit it that much further and better than everyone else. It's just his short game is, I mean, it's really bad right now. And the fact that he can be in the mix as poor as it is is a testament to just how awesome the other part of his game is. When he has good weeks with his short game, that's why he's won multiple majors by eight shots or more, he just blows everyone away because he's the best hitter of the golf ball. It's just the the little stuff that, that kind of gets in the way. But uh, he's fun to watch. It's, he's mind-boggling. You, you shake your head so much because you, you just can't believe how good he is at times and how bad he is at times. But that's the roller coaster, the Drury. Yeah, uh, I guess, what about what about Ricky? We're, all, we're waiting for the Ricky after, you know, he had the, the Players' Championship a couple years ago where he was incredible. Uh, he is remarkably popular. And he just he carries a fun air about him. Um, he he took personally on Twitter, I think. Yeah, one of the golf that was writers, a bad sign, uh, wasn't it? Yeah, one of the golf writers writing about another disappointing outing. Why why can't why can't he figure out a major? Well, one, they're really tough to win. There's only four a year, and you've got to beat everybody. And like I said, there's always someone some week that's hot. Um, two, he. He's putting a lot of you know, every single major that ticks by, and that that Twitter comeback that you're referencing 
gives you an idea of just how on edge he is about the whole major thing that it's starting to get to him, right? I mean, that that's pretty obvious when you're when you're you know you're Ricky Fowler and you're responding to a, a guy and saying you're beating me while I'm down. I mean, it that, that was a I was surprised to see that. I really was because he is so cool and fresh, and he does come across that it doesn't bother him, but clearly it does. Uh, he's getting older and older. All of his friends have a major now. Everyone that he hangs out with has a major, and he's older than all of them. So he'll he'll get one. I mean, like I said, everyone has a week when they're when when you're that good. You're one of the best players in the world. Eventually, you get one. I mean, Sergio eventually got one. Phil Mickelson eventually got one, and then he ticked off five. R- R- Ricky will get one. It's just right now. It's in a he's in a. Uh, I think the PGA will be the, the best chance for him, which is the the two weeks from now in St. Louis. Not that PGA, but I think that kind of setup sets up best for him. Uh, you know, he finished second at the Masters. He was one shot back of Patrick Reed. That's kind of what I mean. You know, you got to beat everyone in golf. It's different than everything else. Tennis, uh, obviously the team sports, but you have to beat everybody, and that's really tough to do. Um, his name is Ryan Burry, works for the Golf Channel. He's kind of to spend some time with us here on the Doug Gottlieb Show. All right, so now we now we head to eventually to St. Louis and the PGA. It's more kind of traditional tree-lined golf course. Is 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 that the course that sets up well for Tiger Woods? No, this the Open set up really good for Tiger Woods because he didn't have to hit driver. Uh, it'll be interesting to see his game plan, Doug, and and that's going to be a lot dependent on weather and and what we what we get when we get there. Uh, if you if you have to hit driver a lot, then it's probably not going to be Tiger's week because that's that's the worst club in his bag, and that would obviously open up the door for the, the Rory's and the, the Brooks Kepkas and the Ricky Fowler's of the world, guys that really are good at driving, driving the ball. That's not t- Tiger's strength. I said he's the best player in the world because he does, if you add everything together, I think he's hitting it the best right now, but the driver is still a, a little bit shaky. Um, with that said, I wouldn't be surprised if Tiger won it. Uh, he's up to 50 in the world now. So he's on the rise. He's going to get to play Bridgestone, which is a tune-up. It's a WGC event that he's won seven times. Yep. Uh, it's the last time it's played there. So that might be where the win comes, to be honest with you. Um, uh, the, the other thing with the rankings and the possibility of winning at Bridgestone, does he play in the Ryder Cup team? Block, done, already on the team. Ryan Burr, breaking news. I know that's not breaking news, but I, it's, it's, you're saying it's, it seems like a formality. It, oh, no, it, it's not, doesn't seem like a formality. It is a formality. Uh, barring injury, Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson are two captain's picks of Jim Furyk, and they're both on the Ryder Cup team. And Great stuff. Some people are going to have a problem with it because Tiger's going to be jump over a bunch of guys. But let me just put it to you this way, Ty, uh, Doug. You're the captain of the Ryder Cup team, and it comes down to Sunday, and everything's tied. And in your last match, you can send out – Oh, I don't know, uh, Zonder Shoffley to play Rory McIlroy, or you can send out Kevin Kisner to play Sergio Garcia, or you can throw out Tiger Woods. Who, who, who would you put in that spot, honestly? No, actually, I think Tiger the Phil Woods. thing actually surprised me more because last time Phil had such a problem with, uh, you know, with the captain – that and and was and was so vocal about it. I think that one would be the one that would actually surprise me a little bit more. 
Well, that all changed. That was in Scotland four years ago. And that is when Mickelson, actually, he and Tiger, who obviously weren't very close, didn't have really any relationship. It's kind of interesting. After that debacle in Scotland, now, yeah, four years ago, those two came together and they started this Ryder Cup task force. And then at Hazeltine in Minnesota two years ago, that really was Phil's team because of everything that had happened two years earlier. And Tiger was a vice captain because he was coming off of the back surgery. Mm-hmm. And those two were riding in carts together and, you know, best friends. And the U.S. went on to win in, in great fashion in Minnesota. And that's why this is Phil and Tiger's team. And that, you know, Jim Furyk's the captain, but Phil Mickelson and Tiger Woods have a lot of influence. And they'll both be on the team. I promise you they'll both be on the team. All right, that's Ryan Burr. Ryan, thanks so much for joining us, dude. Really appreciate your time. Welcome back to the States. You got it, brother. See you soon. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.